0: My name is Luna Casey, and welcome to the New England Ghost Stories Podcast. The New England area is full of tales of haunted locations, legendary creatures, and stories of the just plain weird. So, whether you're into ghosts, lake monsters, or strange lights in the night sky, we are your home for all things Paranormal. Welcome to the season premiere of the New England Ghost Stories podcast. With a population of under 2,000, the section of Burlville, Rhode Island, known as Harrisville, is for the most part quiet and peaceful. Here you'll find the Harrisville waterfalls swimming in Spring Lake, and colonial-era farmhouses. One such house is the Arnold Estate, but you might know it better as the Conjuring House. Thanks to the feature film released in 2013, which detailed the supernatural torment suffered by the Perrin family during the 1970s, The house is considered the most haunted house in America. The land that the house sits on was deeded in 1680 to the Richardson family, who followed Roger Williams after he was expelled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony and went on to found the colony of Rhode Island. The original estate encompassed more than a thousand acres which were eventually parceled off to families in the area. The house as it now stands was completed in 1736, 40 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Because women had no rights to property at this time in history, their estate transferred through marriage from the Richardson family to the Arnold family. As Quakers, they were likely abolitionists who used the property as a stop on the Underground Railroad, helping runaway slaves along their path to Canada. This homestead has survived the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and the unbridled growth of the Industrial Age in America. It has endured relentless storms, including the hurricane of 1938, which destroyed many homes in southern New England. The barn on the property survived because it was built by a shipwright and was constructed with bowed beams that literally sway with the wind. Eight generations of one extended family had lived and died in this house and apparently some of them never left. Seeking to move the children to a quieter home life in the country, Roger and Carolyn Perrin purchased the home in the winter of 1970. The 10 room country home had a plenty of room for their five daughters to roam about and play. Nancy and Christine Perrin shared one room, Cindy and April another, and Andrea, the oldest, had a room all to herself. The Perrin family began to notice odd things from the first day they moved into the home. They would soon learn that there were many spirits present in the homestead, and as often happens with hauntings, the ghosts were harmless at first. The one ghost smelled of flowers. Another would gently kiss the girls goodnight in their beds every night. Another appeared to be a small young male that the girls would watch push toy cars around the room. One apparition was actually helpful. The parents would often hear sweeping noises coming from the kitchen. When they entered the room, They would find the broom had been moved to a different spot in the room, with a neat pile of newly swept dirt sitting in the middle of the floor, just waiting to be deposited into the trash can. Manny was another spirit that the young Perrin children often saw. Manny was believed to be the spirit of Johnny Arnold, who had committed suicide by hanging himself in the attic of the house in the 1700s. Manny would appear before the children, often standing nearby, quietly watching them, while they were going about their daily activities. He had a crooked smile on his face, and he seemed amused at the children's play. If they made eye contact with Manny, though, he would withdraw from sight just as suddenly as he would prepare, But the activity soon began to escalate. Beds would levitate several inches off the floor. Telephone handsets would hover in the air and slam down onto the phone base whenever someone entered the room. And various household objects would glide around the house on their own. Often chairs would be pulled out suddenly from beneath the unsuspecting guest and pictures would tumble from the walls. The parents once reported seeing an orange ooze blood and a wall dissolve into nothingness. Something would yank the girl's legs and hair during the middle of the night. The front door would bang with such force that the entire house would shake. Doors would slam shut on their own. Others would stay frozen open, no matter how much force was used to try and close them. One entity routinely kept the family awake as it continually cried out in the night, Mama! Mama! One of the parents were called, seeing a spirit who appeared to be about four years old, roaming the house crying, calling for her mother. Another spirit tortured poor eight-year-old Cindy, telling her over and over, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. Andrea Parent, who authored a book about their experiences in the home, called House of Darkness, House of Light, hinted that one spirit may have molested some of the young girls. When asked about this spirit during an interview, she answered cagely, let's just say there was a very bad male spirit in the home with five little girls. She also describes her childhood home as a portal cleverly disguised as a farmhouse. When we return, we'll learn how Carolyn Perrin strove to find answers to what was happening in their home. And now, back to our story. As the activity continued to escalate, Carolyn Perrin searched for answers about what was happening in her home. She began by looking into the history of the property she discovered that eight generations of families had lived and died in the old Arnold estate, including Mrs. John Arnold, who, at the age of 93, hung herself from the rafters of the barn. Other unfortunate losses of life on the estate included several suicides, the rape and unsolved murder of 11-year-old Prudence Arnold, Two sudden drownings in the creek located near the house, and four men who mysteriously froze to death on the land. The parents also learned that every occupant of the old Arnold estate, with the exception of a local minister and his family, had reported supernatural phenomenon on the house. The most violent entity was thought to have been the ghost of Bathsheba Sherman, rumored to be a Satanist and witch who had lived in the home in the early 19th century. Bathsheba Fair was born in 1812 in Rhode Island and married fellow Rhode Islander Judson Sherman on March 10, 1844. According to the rumor, when alive Bathsheba had lived a life of solitude, an outcast of the community. She had been accused of killing her young baby as a sacrifice to Satan. The baby's body was found to have been impaled in the head with a sharp object. No official record of this story exists, however. Bathsheba was also believed to have had three other children, none of whom survived past the age of four. Her children may not have been her only victims. Bathsheba was also known to have brutalized staff, often starving and beating them for minor infractions. Bathsheba died on May 25, 1885, after suffering a probable stroke. Not, as the legend claims, by hanging herself from a tree behind the barn. Bathsheba seems to have targeted Carolyn Perrin as well as one of her daughters, Cindy, while lusting after Mr. Perrin. Roger Perrin would often take the broken machinery down to the cellar to repair. While working, he often felt Bathsheba touching him, gently caressing his neck or running her hands down his back. Carolyn would be pinched, slapped, or have objects thrown around her. As time progressed and the attacks grew harsher, Carolyn decided they needed help. The parents answered a newspaper ad by 18-year-old ghost hunters Keith and Carl Johnson. Keith and Carl were members of Rhode Island College's Parapsychology Investigation and Research Organization, or PYRO, And they were friends with famed paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who also worked on the case. Believing that a demonic entity was involved, they alerted the Warrens to the Perrin situation. Ed and Lorraine Warren had been investigating paranormal activity since the early 1950s. During their decades-long career, they had investigated over 4,000 hauntings, including the well-known Amityville haunting, and were recognized as the parents of paranormal investigation. The more experienced Warrens reportedly took control of the investigation, but would later admit that their investigation of the parent family's haunting was their most intense, compelling, disturbing, and significant investigation of their careers. For decades, they had helped investigate hauntings and demonic possessions across the country. In many of their cases, they were able to convince the Vatican to provide exorcisms of the spirits that they found. By the time the Warrens became involved, it was believed that Bathsheba had physically possessed Carolyn Perrin, an assessment that Ed Warren could not disagree with. Believing the situation was too urgent to wait for the Vatican to approve an exorcism, Ed Warren made the decision to perform the ritual himself. Daughter Andrea Perrin remembered the night the exorcism took place, claiming, The night I thought I saw my mother die was the most terrifying night of all. She spoke in a voice we had never heard before, and a power not of this world threw her 20 feet into another room. Unfortunately, the true story of the Perrin family's haunting ended differently than the Conjuring movie portrayed. In reality, the Warren's exorcism was less than successful. Carolyn Perrin explained that even though the Warrens' intentions were good, they essentially found that things got worse around them. To be fair, it often happens that paranormal investigations can stir up even more activity for a while. The spirits are happy where they are, and they don't want to go. When it was over, Roger Perrin demanded that the Warrens leave. Finally, in 1980, the Perrins were financially able to vacate the home. They moved to Georgia. But as Carolyn Perrin once explained, we left the farm, but the farm never left us. Once they left, however, they never experienced paranormal activity again. While the owners after the parents did their best to keep the curious away from the house, the new owners are embracing the macabre notoriety of their home. Corey and Jennifer Heinzen purchased the property back in late June 2019. Since then, they have opened the house to the public for overnight investigations. For $125 a person, investigators can stay in the house and on the grounds from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. Corey Heinzen is a paranormal investigator himself with around 10 years' experience, having investigated some of the most well-known paranormal locations across the U.S., such as Penhurst Asylum, Waverly Hills, the Houghton Mansion, and Eastern States Penitentiary, just to name a few. His wife, Jennifer, prefers the gathering of information, interviewing local historians, or compiling the evidence for review of a location. Although the movie depicted demonic goings-on in the house in the 1970s, Corey Heinzen said the spirits there today are benevolent. We've never found anything bad there, he said. But he reminds visitors, it's not a bed and breakfast. It's not a hotel. It's a haunted house. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. Honestly, we haven't had a team leave empty-handed. Visitors have reported apparitions. Voices picked up in recordings bursts of light in rooms, doors opening and closing, and other phenomena. If you think you'd like to run your own investigation, visit www.theconjuringhouse.com and let us know if you make it through the whole night. Thank you for listening to the New England Ghost Stories Podcast. New episodes are added every other Friday. New England Ghost Stories is written and produced by L.B. Kirkwood. Music by Vyacheslav Dragonov. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find the New England Ghost Stories podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or at your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review. And if you have a story that you'd like to see covered in an upcoming podcast, you can leave a comment on our website at com, or on our Facebook page at New England Ghost Stories. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Luna Casey.